No, I'm thinking you sign that piece of paper saying that this information's right, and I don't want to go to jail. But as some people, I guess, just don't have a fear of uh, repercussions. I know somebody like that. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to the Nacho Kids Podcast. That is not the way I do it. Okay, we do it the way you do it. Okay. Welcome to the Nacho Kids Podcast. That's okay. There ain't nothing wrong with the way I do it. And that's not how I do it. I say, welcome to the Nacho Kids Podcast. (laughs) Sounds just like what I said. Okay, let's talk about a few things. All right. We're going to do a brief intro and outro to this because the interview is a little long, but it's good. It's really good. All right. Okay. First of all, don't forget to sign up for the Step Family Summit at www.nachokids.com slash the Step Family Summit. Nobody types www anymore. Okay. Well, if you don't want to type www, then just put nachokids.com slash the step family summit there's 20 speakers and you don't want to miss it it's awesome and of course we're going to be there absolutely all right let's see what else we got david we also have been blessed by sylvia Krakauer to offer 10 nacho kids academy scholarships awesome and we are matching her 10 that makes how many 20 <laughs> so what does the scholarship cover a free month of the nacho kids academy okay okay so if you're interested in applying for the Sylvia Krakauer scholarships, you can apply at nachokids.com. Oh, what? You didn't do www. I don't want to hear your crap. <laughs> so you can do nachokids.com slash scholarships. How do you spell that? S-C-H-O-L-A-R-S-H-I-P-S. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We're not going to bombard you with announcements, so we'll leave the rest for next time. Okay. Okay. Our guest today is... Samantha Seth. She's an MMA fighter. Uh-uh. Yes, she is. So she really does kick butt, y'all. <laughs> like, that's her job. Her job butt. is to kick butt. Yes. And I watched some of her fights. And, you know, I've watched them with you, the UFC fights and stuff. You watch them through your fingers. Yes, but hers I didn't. <laughs> I was just like, you get them, girl. You get them. Did so, you? Yeah. I showed you one the other day where this dude got, like, side kicked in the face. And his face was so contorted, you couldn't even tell as a human. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It looked like Play-Doh face. (laughs) I enjoyed talking with her because, you know, Ethan is doing the MMA stuff. Yeah. One of my sons is, um, he's a amateur MMA fighter. So he kicks butt too. Yep. So when he gets home, we're going to go see her. (laughs) They've got a gym. Oh, Lord, you had to ask. I can't remember exactly, but it's Shell Shock Gym. Like, are they close by? Well, it's like near Raleigh or something. No, that's not far. Yeah, not too far. Shell shock gym. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> She's been blending for four and a half years. Stepdaughter 18, stepson 17. Hardest part of blending, the high, 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 high conflict by a mom. Well, she got a rear naked choke for that one. David, that's her job. <laughs> I'm just There's saying. There's a difference. I'm just saying there is something magical about choking somebody out. It's hard to explain. You want to hear something else interesting about her? <laughs> what else? She's a triplet. Oh. Huh. Yes, she is. What's you for? You're fired. That's right. Also, her fiance is in MMA. He's her coach. <laughs> and that's fun. Yes. So that's interesting. Yeah. I talk about how 
with you and I working together, you do your thing and I do my thing. It's rare that we cross over, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. <laughs> because when we do cross over, it's not easy. I know. It's tough on me. It rattles my brain. Anyway, it was great talking with Sam. And again, her gym is Shell Shock. And that's actually S-C-H-E-L-L. And it's outside of Raleigh, not too far from Raleigh. I don't know how to pronounce the name of where it is. And David, what were you looking up? (laughs) Her name is Samantha the Wolf Queen Seth. That's her. I know, but I would have been all about like, can you tell me what the whole Wolf Queen thing is all about? Why? We talk about that. You talk about the Wolf Queen? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Good job, honey. Thank you very much. (laughs) So anyway, let's get to listening, David. All right, folks. Let's get into the interview. But first, here's a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. Today, we have stepmom Sam. Hey, Sam, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well. So, Sam, there's something unique about you. Yeah. Other than being a stepmom. And what is that? Um, my choice in career. I'm a professional MMA fighter. You go, girl. <laughs> so, what made you get into the MMA? Um, so, right around when I was early teens, 13, 14, I was watching The Ultimate Fighter. And uh, I was really into the first season, which is actually really funny because the winner of the first season came to my gym two days ago. And it was like an entire dream come true. I was totally fangirling and freaking out. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that was one of the best things that happened. And uh, I saw that on TV and I was like, man, I'd really want to do that one day. And I did really well in school and pursued the whole educational route. I got uh, my degrees from Florida State in criminology and psychology. And I graduated on a Friday in 2013. And I started training that following Monday and just basically never looked back. So do you feel like all that schooling was worth it or a waste of time? <laughs> um, it's so hard to say because I don't want to tell people that schooling's a waste of time. I don't use my degrees, but I am a uh, published writer for several publications. But my degrees are not in writing or English. So that was always just like a side hobby of mine that I was talked into pursuing. I do feel like I have a lot of studious background to myself. So when I approach a new topic or something in the fight world. I like to study it and study the aspects of it. So it did create good learning habits for myself. However, do I use those degrees? Not necessarily, but you know, maybe one day in the future. Something to fall back on, right? Exactly. Because at some point your body will get tired. Every day of my life. (laughs) (laughs) So you're a stepmom. Yes. And how long have you been blending? So we began dating officially in early 2017. We're engaged now and we're going to be married in March of next year. Congratulations. Thank you. Now there's something unique about your significant other too. Yeah, he's um my main Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach. He's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He owns the gym I predominantly train at. He was a world champion in jiu-jitsu And he travels with me to almost all of my competitions, except for the last one. There was some weird circumstances with the COVID protocols and him being out of the country. 
but he's my biggest support as well. So it works out. And that is awesome. It is so important to have a significant other that supports your dreams. It is. And it's it's really great, too, with how we first met and started dating. We got introduced by Hoist Gracie, who uh, he's one of the most famous Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts in the world, was in the first UFC for the first several of them. And um, John, my fiance, my coach, he wasn't my coach before we started dating. I trained elsewhere and we had been dating for a little over a year before I made the transition to have him be my main instructor. Just curious, how was it with him being your coach or your main instructor? Because David helps me tremendously with the Nacho Kids stuff. But there are certain things. It's like he has his part and I have mine. There's very few times that we overlap with what we do because I don't think I could work for him or him tell me what to do. <laughs> exactly. It was... um. I'm not going to say it was easy because it definitely wasn't. And there was a balance at the beginning because, you know, I, I I don't envy him. I would never want his job because he has to push me very hard in training because if he doesn't, he's doing me a disservice where if I go and fight and I'm getting, you know, I mean, he's seen me get like my orbital broken, get concussed, get my nose broken, things like that. And it's hard for him. It, I couldn't watch somebody I cared about or the person that I loved most in the world pretty much take a beating. And he has to do that. And it's a fine balance. He always says he wears many hats. You know, it was like the boyfriend hat, the coach hat, the dad hat, now the instructor hat and the fiance hat, things like that. So at the beginning, it was difficult for me to kind of separate the two when I would be, um, you know, your coaches, MMA is a tough sport. So they have to almost scream at you in training and really push you. Yeah, And I would be on the mats you know, crying, not quitting, but I'd definitely be crying. And uh, it was hard for me to be like, well, that's not, you know, my partner screaming at me. That's my coach. He's trying to push me. He wants me to succeed. Um, now that it's been almost five years of this, I think we found a really good balance where I understand his role as a coach and we never take anything from the gym home with us. Good, good. So you don't go home and go, you called, told me to get my lazy butt up and not, my feelings are hurt. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I did that at the beginning and it was not the right moves, uh, but we definitely don't do that now. And it's it's much healthier and works out much better for it. That's great. So he's got kids. He does. He has two kids and he's also a stepdad to several kids from his uh, last marriage. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. All right. So how many kids does he have? He has two biological kids. He has a daughter. She's 18. She'll be 19 at the end of October. And he has a son who's 17. Okay. And how often do you see those kids or does he see them? So uh, when we first got together, the custody was split 50-50. It used to be like the alternating two, three days and every other weekend. And then it transitioned over to 50-50, one week on, one week off. And now that they're older, They had first went over to their moms. There was a little bit of alienation there. And now his daughter predominantly lives here, but she's older. She's almost out of the house now and has her own social life. So she's in and out, but predominantly here. And uh, his son just stays over with his mom now. So does his son not come visit at all? No, it's been a little bit rocky the past year. That's tough. But I'm hoping that changes. Yeah. Do you think that that has anything to do with the buy a mom? <laughs> Pretty much 100%. That's usually the case. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That, I'm telling you that 
I joined all these, uh, you know, support groups online and stuff, just mainly to read. I don't participate too, too much unless I see something that really influences me. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's nice to know, like, you're not alone going through the same things. Oh, you're definitely not alone. And the sad thing is the kid doesn't know any better. They're trying to please mom because she's probably fed him a bunch of crap. And so he's missing out on time with his dad. And when he gets older, there's a great probability that he's going to see his mom is the reason he didn't have a relationship with his dad. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that will happen. You know, they're smart kids. And uh, eventually people, you know, see things down the future. It's just hard when you're like living in that moment right now. Oh, yeah. Dealing with like a lot of the heartbreak. Yeah. So how do you support your husband with that or your fiance with that? Because a lot of times we see people that are like, I don't know how to support him. And he's sad. And I want to tell him to fight in court. And he doesn't know what to do. And then a lot of times the stepmom ends up taking over and pushing the bio parent to go to extremes to see their kid. And then it backfires on the stepmom. I see that a lot in the, in all these groups online. I will say he's amazing. Like he has always been the person to step up. He's such a good dad and he's such a good person. He does so much for everybody that I always worry that he doesn't do enough for himself because he's always looking out for everybody else. And he's always very good about making sure that I was involved, but not too involved, like never more than the parents because, you know, the whole nacho thing, that's how it should be. They have parents. Mm -hmm. And he always made sure that I was respected in every situation and there to support him. But he took the main role to make sure that he got what needed to be done. And that's awesome. Yeah, he's I really got lucky with him. Yeah. Now, you said he's a stepdad from a previous relationship. Yes. Does he still have contact with those kids? He does. Again, there was a lot of alienation. So some of them, not so much, but I'm hoping that down the future, they're all grown now. They're in their mid to late twenties, but there's one of them who she's pretty awesome and she's actually planning our wedding for us. So I'm grateful. That is great. And you don't have any kids of your own. Oh, no, no. I've never, I've I've never been the kid person. This was all such a new field for me. You know, when we had first started dating, they were 12 and 13 going on 13 and 14. And it was very overwhelming. I thought that fighting was a thousand times easier (laughs) than jumping into a step parenting role. I couldn't understand how he made it look so easy, but, you know, he had to tell me he had a lot of years and experience. And I think him being in a step parenting role as well as a father role helped him understand where I was coming from a lot of the times when I was getting a little overwhelmed. Yeah. And that was one of the things I was going to ask you is, do you think him being in a step-parent role prior to your relationship helped him understand some of the struggles and challenges that you would face being a stepmom? I do. It was a little bit different because even though he was in the step-parenting role, he was the only father figure. So he took on a lot of responsibilities, but he also understood what it was like to not be there from the very, very beginning Mm -hmm. and have to jump in. And he was just grateful that there was somebody extra to love them. Right. And two, the relationship with a stepdad and stepkids is completely different. They say the hardest relationship in a blend is a stepmom and a stepdaughter. I've, I've seen that. And I've seen a lot of the explanations that people had for it, which made sense. Like in the groups, when people were talking about 
um, when a man does it, it's seen as like stepping up. And when a woman does it, it's seen as overstepping. Yes, it's true. It, it is. And I've seen that. So I've always, you know, at the beginning, I probably was guilty of that. And I was glad I was able to see that and, you know, take a few steps back and just be there as extra support instead of trying to insert myself into too many things. Right. So you started off the smart way. Yeah, I I definitely made a lot of mistakes, which is normal, as my fiance likes to tell me, because I was I was so worried that I was just doing everything wrong. Um, but he said it's normal to think like that and just, you know, keep trying your best. It is. And sometimes you don't know what your role needs to be. Yeah, it's a it's a very gray area. Yeah, it is. You know, if your stepkids are younger and they get hurt. Do you try to coddle them and help them feel better, or do you let dad do that? Well, if dad's not there, of course you help that baby feel better and fix their boo-boos or whatever. But then as they get older, they don't want you to do that. Yep. (laughs) A lot of times it's a reminder that their mom's not there doing those things. It it really is. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. And, you know, it was hard for me because I do a lot, and I was always there going to school events and things like that. And their mom wasn't showing up at these events and things like that. So instead of, you know, me thinking, oh, they'll be happy that I'm here. Like you said, I think sometimes it was more of a reminder that I was there and she wasn't. Yeah. I think a lot of times stepmoms get so wrapped up on their struggles that they forget that the kids are struggling too. I know I did. And honestly, I felt like I was struggling so bad. I could care less about anybody else because. In my head, I'm the one that had relocated. I moved into their house. I'm the one that nobody likes. David calls it the victim mentality. And I was like, you're darn right because I feel like a victim. (laughs) But you don't realize when all that's going on that, hey, these kids are hurting too. Exactly. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I would constantly have to remind myself, like, I am the adult. My fiance likes to tell me, like, think about when you were a teenager. You know, teenagers are very one-track minded. They think mostly of themselves and not out of malice. That's just, you know, the way the mind works at that age. So I try and remember things like that, and it helps. Yes, girl. When I think about how I was as a kid and my parents were together, I would have been the most horrible stepkid in the world. There's no doubt. (laughs) There is no doubt because I wasn't the best kid at all. (laughs) I just can't imagine being a stepkid. I'd have been like, you ain't telling me what to do. Right. And it's amazing to see the growth we have like years later looking back. Yes. And once you start, quote, quote, blending, it may not be the blend that you had dreamed of, but sometimes it's better than what you dreamed of. Very true. Like, um, man, I can't. (laughs) That just reminds me so much of, you know, when we first got together and when we knew it was getting serious and I went to go meet his ex. And I was like, oh, you know, she'll love me. Like, I don't try to overstep, but I'm just there for support. I, you know, have degrees. I have a good job. I work really hard at this. And then I just remember my fiance was like, yeah, it's not going to be like that. No, no. And we think that way. And we think they're going to be glad that somebody else loves their kid and all that stuff. But it's One of those things where it's like, I'm their mom. I'm supposed to do those things. You stay in your lane. And if we need you, we'll let you know. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, because they don't mind using you to help transport the kids everywhere. (laughs) Yep. 
but how dare you show up at the PTA conference or whatever? Yeah, it's it's so hard. It is. So what would you say your hardest struggles with the stepkids, not not by a mom, but with the stepkids has been? Feeling underappreciated, I would say, you know, whether I don't think it was ever done purposefully, but when you do so much and you're making sacrifices out of your own life to be able to do stuff for the kids and make sure that you're there without being asked and things like that. It gets kind of hard when it's just kind of ignored. And at the end of the day, it's a hard reminder to remember that I'm not blood at the end of the day. So I could do all these things and be the person that's there 10 times out of 10. But when it comes down to it, the family will always be picked in front of me, you know, Mm -hmm. they'll always be put ahead. And that's, that was really hard for me when I was, you know, I would think like, man, but I was the one that did this, that was there for you here, that wiped your tears when this happened, that showed up. And at the end of the day, it's like, oh, man, I just got left for a sibling or the other parent or things like that. Yeah, and you can't take it personally. Exactly. <laughs> and that's so hard to say because how do you not take it personally? But it's not about you. It's not that you're less than or anything like that. It's just that you're not the parent. You sound so much like my fiance right now. He says almost the exact same speech to me and in in a very kind way to like, you can't take it personally. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, and hopefully this will be the case with you later in life or maybe sooner than later, but (laughs) they will remember the things you did for them. And a lot of times that just comes with maturity Sometimes it comes with them having kids of their own, where all of a sudden they're like, hey, Sam, I remember when you did this for me. And you're like, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> but teenagers, they're not they're not thankful th- critters. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. They just don't think. And they also think, in my opinion, that you're an adult and it's your responsibility to do these things for them. Yeah, you're right. And it's especially difficult with um, like when it comes down to fighting, which is a very stressful job. People ask me about that all the time. Like, Oh, isn't it relaxing to like punch something? And I'm like, not when it's your job, you know, it's not, it's not a hobby for me. It's how I get paid. It's how I work. So, and then on top of that with the weight cuts, when you're already really stressed out and on an emotional edge, and then adding on top of that, all the issues that come with a blended family, it's hard. It's funny you mentioned the weight cuts because I remember David was going to this tough man contest and he had to lose, I think it was like three pounds or something. And he only had a couple of days. And so I was on him. You can't eat that. You can't eat that. And we were getting ready to leave. And he reached over and kissed me. And I'm like, I smell M&M's. <laughs> you're eating M&M's. What is wrong with you? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, dude, I smell M&M's. Thankfully, he made the weight class he was trying to make. But because some of them boys are big. They are some big fellas. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like you you do what has to be done so that you don't get put with those big fellas. Yeah, we're going to have to do a podcast with you on how to lose weight. (laughs) Yeah, that last one was brutal because I normally do my weight cuts over six to eight weeks to be as healthy as possible. Um, But I got the call with 15 days notice. And it was too big of an opportunity to turn down. Yeah. And we do know that sometimes the way that fighters have to do weight cuts is not really healthy for the normal individual. 
Oh yeah, no, not at all. I strongly advocate that to people when they're like, how did you lose uh, over 18 pounds in two weeks? And I'm like, it came almost all of it back within 24 hours because a lot of it was just water weight and yes. it was not fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably uh, like one of the hardest things I've had to do. Girl, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. Now, the high conflict bio mom, what's some crazy stuff she's done? <laughs> <laughs> um, man, just, uh, honestly, uh, there's a bit of an issue with, uh, alcoholism. Um, so anything really that stems from that, you know, boisterous phone calls, public humiliation and embarrassment. She doesn't leave too, too much. Cause I don't think she can drive, um, had her license revoked years ago. So just different things like that, but it's scary. You know, things get put in the kids' names a lot. Uh, when they were minors, it happened. So we had to get those fixed. And it's just, you always have to be on edge when somebody's unpredictable like that. I just wish, you know, that she would uh, allow my fiance to be be there, be a good parent. So she put the kids' names on things? Yeah. Like loans, cr- credit cards, stuff like that? Yeah, and we're luckily able to fix that. So How did she do that? I don't know. She's a... Uh, I will say she's very good at what she does, but I don't, my brain doesn't think that way. No, I'm thinking you signed that piece of paper saying that this information's right, and I don't want to go to jail. But as some people, I guess, just don't have a fear of uh, repercussions. I know somebody like that. I think we all do, which is like the sad thing. I'm like, man, I think everybody has somebody that they know that's like this. Um, my brother, he's an officer. And he said he deals with cases like that all the time where like years later, somebody in their early 20s will be trying to take a loan out for something and then their credit is shot and they have no idea why. And then they look back and they see that that happened to them when they were minors. Yeah. And they don't know how to fix it. He says it happens like more often than you think. And I was like, really? Yeah. Especially with all the hacks and crap going on now, it's really important to get some kind of monitoring service, even for your kids, if they don't have credit yet. I forget which one we have, but David being in IT and all that stuff, I know he's monitoring like Jackson's social security number and all that stuff. So if something does come up, we're flagged. Ooh, that's smart. So bio mom's a little crazy. We get that. It's really scary to have a high conflict bio mom when you're in the public eye like you are. It is. And um, I'm always wondering, I'm like, oh, I wonder if she saw me on TV, like beating butt, you know, but that's more towards the back of my mind. Girl, you know, she did. You know, she's watching it and she's hoping that other person beats your butt. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's several people hoping that, but um, (laughs) luckily I definitely have more support than not. Uh, It's just hard. Sometimes you only focus on the negative instead of, you know, you'll have like 99 out of 100 people rooting for you, but all you can think about is that one person hoping for your downfall. You are so right. And that's one of the things that we work with people on in the Nacho Kids Academy is changing your thinking. A lot of times you may think, oh, well, the stick kid said this with an attitude. Are you sure they said it with an attitude or was that your interpretation? Exactly. You know, um, we I, I read a blog and I just talked about something similar on that. You know, if you're always looking or thinking everybody's out to get you, like you had mentioned before, the victim mentality If that's all you see, you're going to find it everywhere. Yes. What you look for, you will find. Yep. So do they have a court order? Yeah. North Carolina is a very, um, like, 
mother positive state. So years and years ago, this is when they first got divorced. It was well over 10 years ago. And he pursued sole custody because there was open CPS cases against her. But in North Carolina, they're very like kids need both parents. So they kept everything 50-50. So we came a little disenfranchised with the um, family court system here. And then now being that his youngest is, you know, six months away from being 18, they get more of a choice of where they want to stay. So we tried, but at the end of the day, the cops were like, it's very hard to keep it consistent with the court order because of the ages. So they have more or less a choice and you can always go back to court, but by the time it goes through the system and the process, they'll have aged out anyway. Right. And the family court system, girl, I I swear I could do a podcast just on that every single day. It drives me insane. Oh, crazy. The things I've seen. I'm like, how? And I say that from a winning standpoint, every time we've ever been, I've won and I'm not gloating with that, but it still is frustrating to see the family court system. Why do I have to pay to retain an attorney because my son's father did something stupid that endangered my kid's life, but I have to go get an attorney to make sure my kid don't have to go back? I know. I see I see some of these posts, and it's so um, disheartening, and it, it makes me really sad to see some of the things people are dealing with. And the money involved? Girl, I tell you what. I, I really, if I ever get a chance, I'm going to revamp the family court system all across the world. That's my goal because it's not just the U.S. It's everywhere. It depends on the judge. It, it really does. It's almost like we've talked about it before. I feel like you should have like a panel of three judges, preferably ones that have been in a blended family or take the human factor out of it a little bit have like the SAT test you used to take or whatever, put in the bubbles and say, okay, yes, no, yes, no. Feed it through a machine and say, based off this criteria, the mother should have custody. Yeah, definitely. You know, we're really big on, you know, facts, not feelings, because it's hard to separate the two sometimes. Right. And the judges are supposed to, but they don't. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It, it is. Yeah, when when bias like that plays into the whole Uh, factors, you know? Yeah. And I know you said that North Carolina is a woman state or the mom state. And I know South Carolina used to be, but they've gotten more lately in the past 10 years of being the 50-50 kind of thing. Really? Yes. And there was a judge actually in Lancaster, where I live, that is mainly for the men. So women are like, we don't want that judge. (laughs) Yep. And I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm lucky where I know so many good fathers, like, you know, from all these different gyms, it's really nice to see. So I don't understand the whole mentality that, you know, women are always the better parent because I know some real good dads. Yes, I do too. I know some great dads. I know some great moms, but I know some crappy dads and some crappy moms, but you can't portray who you are by sitting in a courtroom and somebody else speaking for you that doesn't know you other than from the money you've given them and the couple of hours they've spent preparing for your case. Oh, exactly. And like, you know, fighting is the same thing when you're, you know, um, the Diego Sanchez who came to my gym the other day, he was saying the same thing that people, they think they know you because they see you on TV, they see you online or they watch, you know, they don't see like the 
50 hours that went into preparing for a fight that lasted maybe two minutes. Yes. And they just took you off those two minutes. Yes. Which, girl, I'm telling you, people that look at that stuff and think, oh, man, two minutes, that's nothing. Put them in that ring for a minute and watch them drop dead. Because I remember when David was doing those tough men contests. Well, first of all, I couldn't watch. It was hard to watch. (laughs) And, but that time, you are working mentally and physically that whole time. You you don't get a break at all. Your mind can't take a break. Yep. It's almost harder mentally than it is physically. And not to mention like, I'm, you know, I'm training all day, every day and not just training. I have to make sure that I'm doing all the self-care, all the stretching, you know, seeing a chiropractor, seeing a massage therapist, seeing an acupuncturist, doing all these different things to make sure my body's where it needs to be prepping my food, you know, and then on top of that, taking care of everything in the house. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. It's probably hilarious to imagine, <laughs> but I love doing things around my house. I love cooking and cleaning, which I know is very different than my actual job, but I love doing it. I'd rather be the one that just handles all the cleaning because then I know it'll be done <laughs> the way that I like. Yes. I know a lot of stepmoms will say, stepkid won't do the dishes. And I'm like, find the positive in that. And they're like, where's the positive? I said, the positive is, you know where the colander is. You don't have to look for it for 10 minutes. Right. My whole thing too is I'm like, hey, I don't mind doing all this. Just thank me for it or be like, hey, would you be able to do this? I appreciate it. And I'm like, heck yeah, I will. Like, especially if I know it's, you know, you guys appreciate me doing it. Yeah. And it was funny. We were talking, I was talking to somebody on a podcast recently we were talking about how when our husbands do dishes, we're like, thank you for doing the dishes. And I'm like, why are we thanking them? They don't thank us. <laughs> and she said, it's because we want to be thanked. I was like, you know, you got a point there. That's true. Have you ever read, you know, the book on the five love languages? Yes. Oh, I'm so into, I'm definitely like words of affirmation for me. And then how I show love is I like acts of service. So I like doing all this stuff for people. And I just like to be thanked for it. So yours is, would you say was first? The way I like to receive love, words of affirmation, like, you know, anything like I love you, I appreciate you. You're right. Anything like that. Very simple. You know, I'm not big on gifts or things like that. Just, just show me that you appreciate me with your words. And then I like to give love by acts of service. So I'll cook somebody's favorite meal. I'll take care of them. I'll run errands for them, you know, different things right. like that. And I'm glad you said that because a lot of people will say, well, my love language is acts of service. Well, that doesn't always mean that that's your giving and receiving love language. Yeah, exactly. Like my my two are different. Right. And mine are acts of service, both of them. So I like doing stuff for people, like you said. And rather than, I guess, having a thank you, I would like for, for them to do something in return. Exactly. And it's so good to know that and like to know that with your partner and stuff too. Yeah. Do you know what your fiance's is? He likes to receive it by acts of service because he's really appreciative of when I do stuff for him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm getting him to understand more the words of affirmation because he doesn't always say stuff, but he will do these big, I don't want to say grand gestures. It's more about the memories, but the way that he proposed was honestly... (laughs) It was so thoughtful. He took me to Jamaica. I thought we were just going on a vacation. 
And we've never been on a vacation that didn't involve some sort of training schedule or fight or tournament, things like that. And he did this whole five course dinner on the beach. And then when he proposed the ring, this was what got me was a, I maybe mentioned once or twice in almost five years that I liked amethyst because it was my birthstone. Mm -hmm. And I got me a diamond ring that had two amethyst stones on the side. And that to me was like, (laughs) meant more than anything because he really paid attention to what I said. So he likes to show it by doing stuff, saying stuff or giving stuff that people don't think about. Right. It's funny you brought up the proposal. I remember David, I don't know if you've ever heard of geocaching. Um, I have not. Well, with us having five kids, it was fun for us to try to find activities that we could do that didn't cost us a fortune. You know, putt-putt was 120 bucks. And so there's this thing called geocaching, and you take like a little GPS thing, and you find the coordinates. You figure out puzzles to find the coordinates, and you go to that location, and it's pick such and such letters out of this, and it's like a treasure map thing. And then you go find this, a lot of times it's like a ammunition box, the old military ammunition boxes, people bury those and they put little trinkets in it. And there's a book and you can sign your name. And it's one of those take a trinket, leave a trinket kind of thing. And people leave like McDonald's toys. It's nothing elaborate. But it's fun because you're trying to go on this hunt to find this thing. Well, David came up with the brilliant idea of playing geocache for my engagement ring. So we're all of a sudden, he's like, hey, I saw this thing. There's a geocache thing, and you can win $100. Let's go do it. And I'm like, dude, we've got to paint this room. And he's like, oh, no, it can wait. Long story short, we went to all these little places, and it ended up leading me to a massage parlor and saying that um, I had won a free massage, whatever. And I come out of the massage, and there's rose petals all over the floor. Isn't it sweet? He said he was going to leave the ring in the woods for us to find, but he was scared to death somebody else would find it. Were you, were you like sobbing? I was in shock. I just, he put a lot of work into that. That's so sweet. And it's funny because I remember when he handed me or when he went to grab my hand out of habit, you, if you're right-handed, you hand your right hand. Yep. That's not the hand the ring goes on. Nope. And I remember thinking about that. I'm like, oh, wrong hand, wrong hand. <laughs> Oh, man. That's so sweet, though. I'm such a blubbering mess when it comes to happy things. If I had seen that, I would have been sobbing. I was in hysterics during my proposal. My eyes, like, swelled shut by the night. Oh, I think I was in shock. I mean, I knew we had talked about getting married and stuff. I just, of course, didn't know when he was going to propose. And I was in shock. It was hot. We'd been doing that stupid geocache thing for two and a half hours. And... (laughs) I mean, it was crazy. And then, you know, that was the end of it. And I was like, well, why don't you take the massage? And because you did it and I'm fine. I don't need one. He's like, no, you go ahead. And I mean, I did not have a clue. I did not have a clue. And then when I got up for the massage, like I said, there was an envelope and it had another clue. I can't remember what it was. And then I walked into the little area and there were rose petals everywhere and candles. And he was standing there. I mean, he had the girl at the massage parlor place help him plan this. I mean, it just shows that, you know, they really care and they put a lot of thought and planning into it. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing, you know, there were so many people in on it and I just, I had no idea. And that's great. That's awesome. Oh yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, everybody knows that I'm going to be crying from the moment I get up in the morning on the day of the wedding (laughs) to the very end of the day. So I got to invest in some heavy duty 
like makeup setting spray or something. Yeah, or wait to do your makeup to the last minute. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I just know how I am. Everybody else knows. Sad stuff never gets to me, but proposals, weddings, anything happy, I'm a mess. That's so sweet, though. And what's funny about it is you're a fighter, girl. I know. Everybody expects me. They they tell me all the time uh, when I get my medicals done, if I see a doctor or anything like that, they're like, oh, you must be so tough. And I'm like, my dog did something cute this morning and I was crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I, I'm not a crier, but things do touch me. But I remember after I had Jackson, girl, I cried over everything. I know it was hormones, but like the movie Monsters, Inc., when the little girl and the big monster goes away or whatever, I mean, I boo-hooed. You would have thought somebody died. And the little Charmin commercial, a Charmin commercial would make me break out into tears. My fiance has so many videos of me. I think I cried in New Girl when Schmidt proposed to Cece. I was (laughs) sobbing. He has a video. My brother's wedding. Oh, my goodness. I was bawling. He was videoing me just crying at that, like, it's so bad, but, you know, I'm glad that it's happy things and not sad stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it's just amazing that you can have such sensitivity on the inside and be such a tough bud on the outside. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely uh, opposite ends of the coin there. Because you wouldn't cry while you were fighting. No, I've never. And I don't, you know, I'm very big on not fighting emotional. I think once you let your emotions take over in a fight, is what because people ask me that all the time. Oh, do you just see red? Do you just want to like beat her down? And I'm like, you know, she didn't come over and like murder my dog. Like it's a job. We sign a contract. I have to hurt her before she can hurt me. But I view it as a job and a chance for me to execute and display my skills. But I don't, I don't have any hard feelings before, during, or after. You know, it's very separate. But then me anywhere happy and anything involving uh, joyous emotions, and I'm just like hysterical. Right. Now, if you did let your emotions take control of you in the ring and say you're thinking about high conflict by a mom and you're thinking, I'm going to picture high conflict by a mom's face every time I hit this girl, you've lost. Exactly. You do. And that's, you know, and there's been, I've had fights where we were dealing with so much that was going on with her, where it was really just making my life miserable And nobody on the outside would ever have guessed that because, you know, I have a job to do. I have to focus on the job. You know, it's like an office job. If you can't bring your personal life into work with you. And it was the same thing for me. And I was like, man, if people just knew like what I was dealing with when I won my first title um, a couple years ago, it was one of the hardest two weeks that we were going through and dealing with her. And I went in there and I did my job. And I remember thinking like, man, I'm very proud of myself for being able to separate myself from what was going on in my personal life and be able to not translate that over into my work life. And that can be applied to the stepmom thing. If you react out of emotion, nobody's going to win. Exactly. You know, I write, like I said, for several publications and um, my blog is more of my personal writing and I throw a lot of the stuff into there. I don't elaborate into too many details and give up too much private information, but I definitely talk about the emotional turmoil I deal with a lot in that situation. Yeah, because if you get wrapped up in your emotions, you're not thinking. 
a lot of times people will say, well, I don't remember what I said, or I blacked out because I was so mad. Well, that's because your emotions completely took over. Whereas a lot of people will say, well, I'm a control freak. I can't nacho. Yes, you can nacho because I was a control freak too, but it's learning that the ultimate control is how you let things impact you. Exactly. I am the biggest, the biggest type A control freak. Same here, girl. (laughs) I color code everything. I organize everything. My spice rack is alphabetized. Like I'm very anal and OCD about everything I do. But like you said, the biggest, the biggest control point is how you're able to control yourself and your emotions because you can't control the way other people treat you or how they act towards you or what they say to you, but you can control how you react. Right. Now, girl, I'm not as OCD as you. If you you are more than welcome, if you need to make some extra money to come help me get organized. <laughs> I love organizing, too. It's such a, it's like a hobby. <laughs> well, I'm not that far from you, I don't think, because I'm in Lancaster, South Carolina, about, depending on where in Charlotte, 30, 45 minutes from Charlotte. So, oh, yeah, you're not far at all. Yeah, start your organizing business, and <laughs> I'll sign up for sure. But not having kids, I'm sure you lived on your own. Mm-hmm. Where you left your house in one condition and came back and it was in the same. Yep. You meet this guy. I take it y'all moved in together. Yes. And all of a sudden, there's crap everywhere. How did you handle that being OCD? So first, I'll definitely say I didn't do it correctly. And I was a little passive aggressive. And that does nothing to help anybody. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I learned to just kind of be a little more open with my communication and express myself by taking the emotions out of it, like, Hey, I don't mind, you know, taking care of this and doing this, but please just, you know, like, let me know that it needs to be done or just, you know, keep stuff out of the way and I'll take care of it later. Just don't leave, you know, I don't like dishes in the sink. I always have to clean it. I can't go to sleep if like the kitchen's a mess. And then my other big thing too, I have is if you're doing laundry, like, be here for it. Don't do laundry and leave the house or anything like that because then I end up having to do it, which I don't mind if I'm asked, Mm -hmm. but if it's just left there, because I'm very like, oh, as soon as the washer's done, it goes in the dryer. As soon as the dryer's done, everything is folded and put away. I know it's such a sickness I have where I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with it. Like everything has to be, I have um, scheduled days that I do certain cleaning. So like everybody will be like, oh, it's Thursday. She's bleaching the bathrooms or, you know, I vacuum twice a week and sweep twice a week, but Sundays are like my big, like dusting, sweeping, vacuuming, mopping days. And see, I tried to get on that schedule one time, and this was even before I had Jackson. I was with his dad, and it just made me mad because I'm like, why am I doing everything? His name ain't nowhere on here. (laughs) It just got to the point where I'm like, I'm not cleaning every day. That's ridiculous. So then I'd end up cleaning for hours and hours and hours on the weekend. And it's it's crazy. The reason that I don't mind doing all this is my fiance is so crazy busy as well. He has a full-time job. He runs the gym full-time. He's also the landlord of several properties. So both of us take on like so many tasks that we have to like schedule, you know, date nights for us because we spend a lot of time together at the gym and t- doing a bunch of different work-related stuff. But we also want that, you know, quality time where we can just relax and be happy with each other instead of working all the time. Yeah. I want to come back to that in one second, but one thing you were talking about that you did wrong with the cleaning stuff. You know, a lot of times people come into the blend and the stepkids leave a mess and they start saying, hey, little Johnny, get over here and pick your mess up. Little Johnny doesn't do it. It makes them mad. Then they're 
telling their significant other, your kid won't listen to me. They're leaving a mess everywhere. I'm not the maid. You need to make them blah, blah, blah. Well, with the nacho method, what we learned is it's better to say, hey, honey, while I'm doing dishes, can you pick up the living room? Don't say it's your kid's crap. Just say, can you pick up the living room? That way you're asking for help. And eventually they'll get tired of picking up their kid's crap and make their kid do it themselves. Yup. And this this just happened uh, fairly recently where I made a comment about like, hey, like I don't mind, you know, transferring over and taking care of this laundry or doing this. Um, just, you know, if, if they can just move stuff out of the way or say thanks or ask me about this. And I was like, I can bring it up later. Then he was like, no, it's, you know, I'll take care of it. And he's so good about that. And he didn't even tell me he took care of it. But I know he did because as soon as his daughter came home that day, it was hey, what can I help you with? What would you like me to do? And I was like, man, he's so good about that. Yes. And that's another thing that I was going to bring up too. Well, first of all, you mentioned the messes. You can't stand the dishes not being done and the laundry. And what's so funny is before David and I got married, I could not stand a dirty dish in the sink. Girl, when you marry somebody that's got four kids, there's always dishes in the sink or on the counter because they're drying because the dishwasher's full. And so I had to overcome that. And the way I overcame it was, it's just how it's going to be. The funny thing is with laundry, I'm not so big on it. Before David and I got married, I would always take my clothes, put my clothes in the dryer when I got up in the morning. I'd wash them at night, put them in the dryer in the morning, take them out of the dryer, throw them on the couch before I left for work. So every day I came home, there were clothes on my couch. (laughs) See, that would drive you insane. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm to the point I have like the hamper for our everyday clothes. Then I have a separate one for all the gym clothes because you do not want to put that with other clothes. Like it gets no bad. Then I have a separate one for towels. And then, you know, the kids had their own hampers. And then like every other Wednesday, I'd be doing like all the, the mats and carpeting that could be tossed in the laundry. On Sundays, I do our sheets. On Mondays, I do all the kids' sheets. Every other week, I do the comforters. You know, it's a whole schedule. I have a calendar that's color-coded with all this. <laughs> I, I need some training. You you need to help me with this. I'm curious, with the kids being so much older, why do you wash their sheets? And then um, for the longest time, it was when they were in school, I was able to do it. Because when they were be out of school, I was gone for hours at the gym. And if they did it, they were in this age. Now she'll she'll do her own sheet. She's a lot better about that when she's here. But teenage boys, man, this and my brothers did the same thing where they would wash the sheets and then not put them on all the way. So then they were sleeping like directly on the mattress or like on the pillow without putting the pillowcase on. Yes. And then I even said that I remember saying that to him and like what is teenage boys with this? My brothers did this too. And it drove me insane. And it's like funny how, you know, years go by and teenagers are still the same. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My son washes his clothes. Well, what he'll do is he throws all of them in there together. (laughs) He doesn't separate by color. And I've tried to explain to him, your jeans come out looking like they've been in a ball because you've got too much in there. And you can't mix colors like that. That's why your little shirts look like they're pink. And so he'll wash them, but he leaves them in the dryer. And then, like you said, he'll go somewhere. Yep. And then it just sits there. And then, you know, men have this habit because I've talked to other people. I know it's not just my fiance. They keep 
every single piece of clothing, no matter how many holes. And I'm like, oh my God, buy another freaking shirt. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny you mentioned that because we were talking the other day about jeans and somebody said, oh, I can never find Levi jeans at Goodwill. And somebody made the comment and said, well, that's because men wear them till they're not even good enough for Goodwill. Yup. And it's all men, but they do that. And I'm like, why? Yeah. But then you've got the extreme with like me, I've got 20 pairs of jeans, which is ridiculous. (laughs) Well, I'm like the same, but with sweatpants and like sports bras, because my body hurts too badly to finagle with like real fancy clasps and (laughs) like clothing. And I'm just like, yep, we're just going to put on these comfy sweats and rock it. Oh girl, I'm right there with you. My favorite outfit other than jeans and a t-shirt, if I'm going somewhere, it's usually a Life is Good t-shirt and Air Apostle jeans. But other than that, it's just a bummy t-shirt and shorts or yoga pants. Yep. I should be a MMA fighter. That's what this is leading me to. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes. I'm like, I always wanted a, you know, a job where like you can be comfortable in sweats and like, oh, that's me. <laughs> Girl, I, I interviewed for a job one time and they were talking about the dress code. And I, I walked out there and be like, don't even bother calling me because I'm not wearing heels and hose every day. No. Oh, my God. I, and, you know, I used to love heels and you wouldn't catch me dead in a pair now. And that's because I'm always dealing with like bruises and blisters and different types of ligament injuries and all this other stuff. Yeah, Definitely. Now, something else you mentioned was date night, Mm -hmm. and I am so proud of you and your fiance that y'all make date nights, and I'm telling anybody that's listening, I don't care if you work together 24-7, have a date night, and make that night be where you're not talking about kids, you're not talking about money, you're not talking about work, you are just enjoying each other's company. 100% agree. I mean, I could, I'm so with you. I cannot advocate that enough because I mean, we're around each other all the time. So people would think like, Oh, you know, you guys see each other all the time. You don't need us. Nope. We had a date night. And like you said, it was nothing to do with no talk about like kids or family or work or bills or anything like that. We just enjoyed each other's company. And it was, I had such a good time. I know one time David and I went out and it had been a while since we went out and Finally, a lot of the drama with the kids had kind of calmed down and stuff. And it was almost awkward. Like, well, what do we talk about? Because we had always talked about the crap with high conflict by a mom or baby daddy or court crap or the kids or the in-laws, just whatever. And so we decided to play the game of look around the restaurant and decide if the couple's married, dating, if they have kids, you know, just kind of try to assess them. Oh, that's fun. Oh, we came up with some crazy stuff. Oh, I might do that for next time. That sounds fun. And one thing that we do, too, is we go yard selling. It's not every Saturday because I don't like to get up early. But every once in a while, we'll get up on a Saturday and we just go to yard sales and we make fun of stuff that's there or like, oh, yeah, I got a killer deal on this pressure washer or whatever. And then we go eat breakfast. And it may not be that we're gone an hour and a half, but it's a long time away from sitting in the same office with, with each other, getting aggravated from the other person talking too loud. You're just enjoying each other. Right. And it doesn't even have to be anything fancy or expensive or anything like that. It's just like you said, just enjoying each other. Yeah. Or just go ride around. We like to ride around and look at houses. Oh, my God. And then, you know, I dream of like, oh, I'd love that house. And then I think of how big it is. And I'm like, no, wouldn't want to clean it. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
mindset. And it, like you said, it doesn't have to be something expensive. It can be window shopping. You know, window shopping's fun. Take pictures of something you want to buy and just don't buy it. That way you don't waste money. Or go to Home Depot together. Just something to spend some quality time together. And I would suggest if you can do it, to do it at least, at least every other week. I agree. It's just so nice. You know, we we train together a lot and, you know, really pushing each other in the gym and things like that. And sometimes you need to separate that aspect of your life and, you know, just have a good, enjoyable night. And I've been in a really good mood the past few days just because of it. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference because you, you've got to reconnect on that emotional level of why you love this person or the next thing you know, you're wondering why you love them. Or if you do. Exactly. I do that all the time. Like people, you know, just con- the constant complaints. And, you know, my fiance and I were even talking about when the whole lockdowns were first happening. We were, I was like, man, I wonder how many people now that they're around their partners 24-7 are realizing, like, maybe we don't have as much in common as I thought. And this isn't a good, strong relationship because I just found myself loving him more and more. The separation and divorce rate went up dramatically during COVID. Oh, I know. It's And, you know, I'm not surprised, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I remember David and I were doing the downstairs, and he was going to put his office upstairs and mine downstairs. I'm like, no, but I like being with you. And so he put it downstairs. Then, of course, COVID happened, and I'm thinking, you need to move your office upstairs because I can't get anything done. Yeah, we're, we're separate. I do all my writing downstairs for all my publications, and he has a his home office set upstairs. Well, especially stuff like writing or with me editing podcasts, you have to pay attention and you can't have somebody over there clicking away on the computer or saying something to you and you're thinking, I'm working. You see me? (laughs) Exactly. Because my, you know, writing is a very silent task and I need concentration. And uh, he works in IT and for Duke Energy and all that. So he's constantly on conference calls and meetings and clicking away on different things. So it just, it would not work. He works in IT too? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. He's explained to me so many times what he does. And I just, I'm so not brained mechanically for that. So I just don't understand it. But he's worked there for going on 20 years this September. Yeah. I finally quit saying that David does computer stuff. <laughs> so now it's, he does HIPAA compliance and network security, cybersecurity type stuff. <laughs> yeah. And he's more with, like, uh, I don't know if it's a calm intel, some stuff. I don't know. I'm I'm not even going to pretend to understand it. But sometimes I'm like amazed because I always thought I was really studious and smart when it came to stuff. And that one for me is just way over my head. <laughs> you know, I've always done well in school. And like you, I consider myself studious. I like researching things and learning new things. But for the life of me. I cannot understand how a telephone works. The old-timey telephones. It, it just it doesn't click in my brain. <laughs> it's so funny how sometimes our brains are just wired to not understand something that somebody finds so, like, superfluous and easy. Right. Well, everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses. Yep, that is true. And you can focus on your weaknesses and try to improve them, or you can focus on your strengths and make them stronger. And when you end up with a life partner, it's great if you can balance each other out. It is. I say we are very good at balancing each other out. Like um, even just the other day when I was talking about 
um, Diego Sanchez coming up to the gym. I found out he was going to be in the area and alerted my fiance, but I don't have the connections that he does. You know, he's been a gym owner for years and like competed all over the world. And he, I don't know how he was able to do it, but he got him to come by. And I just thought it was such good teamwork. And, you know, of course I was freaking out the whole time too. Oh, that is awesome. So does he still compete? He does. Um, he competes just in jujitsu. He did do a couple MMA fights as an amateur, which he didn't do until he was 42 years old. He's amazing. He's he's a bit older than I am, um, but he still competes in jujitsu all the time. And he's a really good instructor at the academy. He likes to lead by example. So I get so much more nervous watching him compete than I ever do for myself. So if you don't mind me asking, where is this gym? Because I'm going to have to tell my stepson about it. Uh, we're located near Raleigh in Fuquay, Verena, and it's called Shell Shock BJJ. Um, his last name is Shell, soon to be my last name when we get married. So it's named after him there. So if you keep your last name as your middle name, your initials are going to be SSS. Yeah, <laughs> we're keeping the alliteration flow going. Um, and, you know, I have it. I have all of this. I have a lot of tattoos, so I have all of this tattooed on me. So I do have my last name currently, Seth, tattooed on me because I knew I would be changing my last name to shell uh-huh um, and Seth always meant a lot to me because that's where my fight name comes in my fight name's the wolf queen and that is because i'm of jewish heritage and Seth in hebrew translates to wolf and i used to go through a phase where i was calling everybody queen i'd always you know i'm a little dramatic with the whole yes queen <laughs> so my fiance would always joke around calling me wolf queen and it just stuck many years ago and that's kind of what everybody knows me as now. I have a bunch of logos with that whole symbol on it. And I have all the gym logos tattooed on me and things like that. That's great. So what do your stepkids think about you being a fighter? People ask me this all the time, which is hilarious. They say that, oh, they must think you're so cool that you're a fighter. And what I have discovered is that if you are a parent or in a parenting role, nothing you do, your kids do not think you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> people, I know people ask that about like, you know, Chris Evans, Captain America. And he was like, no, nah, my kids don't think I'm cool. Like, I'm a dad. Yeah. I know David's kids always talk about how cool their dad is. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. And, of course, it's great because as parents, we feel like we do a crappy job no matter how good of a job we do. And so the older they get, they're like, oh, yeah, my dad this and my dad that. And we'll hear them. And I can just see David's heart light up. That's so precious. But you don't want kids, right? No, I'm I'm very happy being like the cool aunt and being a stepmom and things like that. And it's funny too, like anywhere we go, my fiance, he's a very, I don't want to say scary person, but he's an intimidating figure. He's large, he's strong, he's and I'm super tiny. I fight at the smallest weight class, Adam weight, which is 105 pounds. Okay, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> Oh, I don't walk around at that weight. I'm, I walk around at 120, but um, I'm five feet tall. You know, I'm pretty short. Yeah. No one ever, you know, views me as like, oh, she's a big, scary fighter. And they always assume that he's, you know, if we're traveling anywhere, they assume he's competing or doing something. And then when he's like, no, I'm her coach. She's the competitor. It always blows people's minds. I wrote an article that got published on like an international website about that because, it, you know, it bothered me when I was like, oh, no one, no one thinks I'm capable. You know, I don't know that it's no one thinks you're capable as it's just shocking. They expect somebody that's fighting as a living to be like Shira, you know, six foot tall Amazon queen. 
Right. Or like to look like Mike Tyson, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> get you a gold tooth, girl. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that'll change their perception of you. Right. Maybe next. But you know, my fiance is really good about being like, man, like, look at her ears. Like, they're all cauliflowered up. But he's like, you know, people don't expect. They see like a small, pretty girl. They're not expecting her to be like punching people. Are your ears cauliflowered? They are. Um, one of them's real, real bad. I can't. Like, I know on this podcast, it was like, oh, if you have headphones. And I was like, well, can't do the headphone thing. I can only wear like the over the ear one. Oh, really? Because <laughs> mm-hmm, it won't fit in my ear anymore. Well, you and I were talking, I think it was before I started recording, about one of David's triplets wants to be, well, he's training to be in the MMA, UFC, whatever you call it. And, which I know the difference. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm worried to death about his little ears because he is... He's a handsome little fella, and he's got the perfect little ears, and oh, I just, I can't imagine. Well, not everybody gets it. You know, it's, it plays a lot into genetics. I think I just have a genetic predisposition for it. It's a lot less common with women, um, but I just lucked out on that genetic forefront, I guess. But man, I'd love to have him come by the gym sometime if he's ever in the area. We love having people come train. Well, he is actually, he was in California for several years. Now he's across the pond in the Middle East. And I think he's there six or nine months, but he's getting ready to get out whenever that finishes. I I think he is. Or maybe he's got to go to somewhere else. I don't know. Anyway, it is not too long before he gets out, but I would personally bring him up there because I want him to meet y'all. That would be awesome. I I love it. We love having veterans. My fiance was in the army. We have a lot of vets who train with us now. Let's go back to high conflict by a mom for a minute. How do you deal with high conflict by a mom or do you? Um, I, I don't anymore. I actually had to have her blocked on everything because I tried the whole cordial thing. And uh, it, I just realized I was at the point that no matter what I did or didn't do, I was always enemy number one. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to cause any more undue stress. My fiance, he, one of the reasons I actually fell in love with him was I saw the way she treated him and screamed at him and how calm he was and how well he handled himself. And I gained so much admiration and respect. And I asked him how he was able to do that. And he said, basically what you said earlier that, you know, all it would do would stress him out and upset him and nothing would change because of it. So he wasn't, he wasn't going to affect the way that he would react Mm -hmm. by the way somebody acted towards him because he couldn't control that, but he can control the way that he handled situations. Right. So, um, you know, if I, cause at first I was like, well, I don't need to block anybody. Like my life's good. I'm not posting anything personal about the kids or putting myself that would get him in trouble. I'm just posting about like my career and my fights and the articles I write and, you know, living a good life. And if she wants to see like all the good things happening, that's fine. And then I realized that out of spite, you know, if anything good was happening over here or we we're doing good stuff with the kids that she would, you know, withhold them or make stuff more difficult for us. So I ended up having a block on all my social media accounts just to make sure that my personal life wasn't interfered with. Yes. And you have a good point too. You talked about one of the reasons that you fell in love with him because of how he dealt with stressful situations, we'll say. And I know you see it in these Facebook groups. These women are like, my man needs to stand up to her. Or my favorite is, I'm going to tell her to quit talking to my man like that. Well, first of all, he's not a weakling because he's not fighting back with her. 
Secondly, it's not your place to defend your husband to his ex. He's a big boy. Right? He's a grown man. He's going to be 47 in two weeks, you know? Yeah. He's been around the block. He knows exactly how this goes. And, you know, big thing I see on that is they're getting more upset over the fact of uh, if she disrespects the new wife or the kids disrespect the new wife, things like that. My fiance would never have allowed that to happen. That's what upsets me is I'm like, you shouldn't like, you shouldn't be jumping in to get involved at every turn. But if anybody's disrespecting you or screaming at you or treating you a certain way, he absolutely should be like, Hey, that's my wife. Don't do that. Right. And my fiance was always great about, he never, you know, he would say like, I handle the discipline. I'm the parent. But if they're ever doing something and she's like, Hey, like maybe we don't do that. She's allowed to, she's an adult. She's not disciplining them. She's just saying like, Hey, I'm the adult. Like, let's not do this. Yeah. I guess maybe I just lucked out with having somebody who was making sure that I was doing the right things without overdoing it and making sure that nobody, you know, came at me in a way that was disrespectful. Yeah. Cause I know David expected me to come in and replace his ex, which of course we see now, or we saw quickly that that was wrong. Yep. Never works. But I, I was the kind of person pre nacho that if she sent an email about something, I'm like, oh, no, you lied into her about this and you lied into her about that. You would not believe the hours we wasted trying to come up with email replies to make sure we covered every detail and that it was, quote, quote, court ready if needed to be. It was a waste of time. Mm -hmm. They're going to think what they want to. David knew that if he addressed certain things with his ex, that just made her feel like she was winning. And she was going to do it more. Yep. So I say this with all due respect. Even if your stepkids are screaming at your husband and your husband is standing there and doesn't say anything to them and ignores it, doesn't discipline them, it's not your battle to fight. He may not even see it as disrespect. A lot of times parents will be, you say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am to me. A lot of times they don't care if you say what. But the step parent will be like, oh, no, they need to be saying yes, sir, to you and no, sir, to you. Right. People in parenting styles are different, you know? Yeah. But if one of David's kids was screaming at him, I would not say, you don't talk to your daddy like that. And the reason I wouldn't intervene is because David needs to address that. And if David has an issue with it, he will. I completely agree with you. And a lot of times, I'm sure you've heard of the guilty parent syndrome. Yep. <laughs> that stops them from bucking up to their kid that's being disrespectful because they don't want to fuss at them right before they go back to the other parent. There's so much with guilty parent syndrome. But again, if one of David's kids was screaming at him and raising all kind of cane and David didn't do anything because of guilty parent syndrome and I jump in and I'm like, you don't talk to your daddy like that. Give me your phone. You're losing your phone privileges for 24 hours. I moved the target from what happened between David and his kid to me being the evil stepmom. Exactly. And like you said, you know, that's what I had to come to terms with. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still, that was the hardest thing. Like I'm still, as much as they love me, I'm still always going to be even just a little bit on the outside. Mm -hmm. And if there's blame, you know, it will come to me. Right. Because we're the scapegoats. Exactly. But I will say that I think in some instances I have I don't want to say a better relationship. I'll say a different relationship than David's kids have with their parents. 
because they're not worried about getting in trouble with me. Mm-hmm. They will tell me stuff, and either it's one in hopes I'll tell their dad so they don't have to, or it's to get my opinion on how they should address it with their dad to get the best result. Yep, I agree. And it was definitely, you know, very similar with me and dealing with similar stuff in that regard. And then the only time I ever get real upset in this role is when I put too many expectations on expecting to be reached out to or hearing that from them in certain instances. I just set myself up for failure. So I got to stop putting expectations like, oh man, I just had this big fight or I'm getting ready. I'm isolated in this hotel room. I'm sure I'm going to get like good luck messages. And then if they don't come, I'm crushed. I'm like, I just got to stop, you know, things. I got to stop expecting myself from other people. Exactly. Girl, that's perfect. That that's perfect. We need to make a t-shirt with that. (laughs) I'll wear it. Yeah, I will too. I've always said that expectations negate appreciation. Yep. And when I say that is if your husband expects you to watch his kids, he's not going to appreciate you watching them because you are expected to. Yep. And then also, a lot of times, like you said, you're getting ready for this fight. You're hoping that they'll send you some encouragement, and they don't, and it hurts. But you set yourself up for that. And that, Exactly. And I'm like, then I'm mad at myself. I'm like, man, I set myself up for that just because I would, you know, drop everything I was doing to maybe help have helped them with something or get them ready for something. And I'm told like, oh, they're going to help you. And then to not hear that or not see that or witness that. And for what? I did that to myself, you know. Mm-hmm. I basically assumed that they're going to reciprocate the way that I am to myself when they're teenagers, they're kids, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the things I say about step families in general is sometimes not even just lower your expectations, but get rid of them. Right. Be realistic. Yeah. And I've had people fight me with that. Oh, you should have expectations. I said, okay, I have the expectation that they won't kill me in my sleep. But that's it. Yep. Other than that, I don't expect them to tell me happy birthday, happy Mother's Day, happy Stepmother's Day, happy Groundhog Day. Granted, it's nice if they do, but I try not to. Oh, and I love it that you said it this way. I try not to expect myself out of other people. Yeah, it's just going to lead to disappointment. Like you said, if you expect it and it doesn't happen, which I've been so guilty of, it crushes you. Like, I I wish I could be that person that was like, man, I didn't spend all night tossing and turning because I was just thinking about how hard I was from the actions of a 16-year-old, of a 17-year-old. And it's like, you know, I'm a grown woman. Was I really expecting them to be as empathetic and caring as I am with certain situations? Mm-hmm. I remember one year... Golly, this was years and years and years ago. It was before I met David and actually before I met my son's father. And I was in a relationship and they didn't get me a cake for my birthday. Now, girl, I'm I'm talking, this is probably almost 20 years ago. (laughs) It pissed me off. And then I'm like, why did I expect them to get me a cake? Well, it's because they had done it every year before that and it became an expectation. So what I decided to do was, you know what? Every year... I might have two cakes because I'm surely buying myself one. Right. And that's the thing. Like when I was getting ready for this last fight in this weight cut and I was just, you know, hoping I'd get a, Hey, do you need anything or good luck? You got this. And then, and you know, it probably had to do with the fact that I was severely depleting myself. So I'm already like 
a little more emotional mm-hmm. than usual. So I think just on top of that, oh man, I was, I'm telling you, that was probably the most hurt I think I've ever been. And it's because, and I did that to myself, yeah. you know, I expected things that I expected them to act like how I would. And that's, that's not the case. That's not how, how life is. It would be great if we could take those expectations that we do put on other people and give those to ourselves. So for instance, you're sitting there hoping to get a text saying, good luck, whatever. Wouldn't it be great if you didn't even feel the need for that, but you had it within you to tell yourself good luck and to tell yourself you're awesome and tell yourself you've got this. Exactly. And that's what I basically had to start doing. And I'm listening to all these like motivational podcasts and speeches. And then I was like, man, I really just, you know, ran five miles and didn't need anybody to tell me to do it. I told myself to do it. Right. And we talk about automatic negative thinking. They're called ants and the Nacho Kids Academy a lot. And it came from a guy, Dr. Daniel Amen, like A-M-E-N, like amen. And basically it talks about how our mind automatically thinks negative. Mm-hmm. And you have to make a conscious effort to stop those thoughts. And it's not easy. It takes time and it takes practice. But one thing that helps with that is to start each day being thankful or doing a gratitude journal or looking in the mirror and saying, I am awesome. I am loved. I am empowered, whatever. You know, pump yourself up. Nobody else is going to. But yeah, you're right. Nobody else is going to do it. And you shouldn't expect anybody else to do it. I'm going to do it. And, you know, I've learned, hey, I believe in myself. Yeah. That's all it takes. You know, I stopped. I'm so much happier now with family. Those were the only people I was expecting more out of. And I'm slowly learning to dial that back. But I stopped expecting that out of strangers and things like that because um, because I do write for publications. You know, it's I've learned that the comment section is hilarious. I just view everything as so funny now because I'll have people insulting either what I write or my appearance. And it actually works out for my benefit. I had somebody one time, they were commenting about how masculine I was appearing just because I have muscles and I'm a fighter. Um, but I've learned to like radiate that that power and that confidence. And my fight walkout shirt has my wolf queen logo on it. And it has an eggplant emoji with a crown above it. And I used to, for the longest time, I was always staring at the ground and looking down. And now I make sure that whenever I'm going into an arena or a cage or walking out anywhere that my head is held high. And I feel like it radiates off of photos now. Dang, look at that. That absolute confidence. I'm ready. Yes. Yes. That That is awesome. And I can see that in you. It took me a long time to get there. It, it, it takes a long time. And not that you're still not going to have days that your feelings get hurt, but you know not to give it more than five seconds or five minutes of your time. Yep. Too many important things I got to get done in my day than to dwell on the bad. Yes. Okay, I know I got to let you go because I've been talking to you forever. But I do have one more question. Yep. How do you fight and get your orbital broken and want to fight some more? Um, so it's funny. I actually ended up winning that fight, and I love that fight. I became really good friends with uh, the girl I fought there. And then I've had some bad fights where um, when I had, like, my nose broken and my face busted up and I lost that fight, and I actually had to get my new my driver's license renewed after that. So that's a great photo I have on my ID. Um, (laughs) It's almost like people ask me after this big win that was, you know, 
on everybody's TV. It's on YouTube channels. And literally after winning this, after two days, it was already gone and out of my head because I had won. And like, you know, people, you're always thinking like people care so much. After two days, it's old news already. New things are happening. Other things are going on in people's lives. And then so it puts into my mindset, like, man, when I've lost, I've dwelt on that for weeks, thinking that's all people see. People think I'm a loser, like all this. And it's, and then, you know, you win. And after two days, it's old news. And I'm sure it's the same when I lose, too, that after two days, it's old news. But like you said, when that's all you focus on. So to me, anytime I've lost or maybe not performed as well as I had wanted to, I take that with me. And I'm super, I tell people all the time, I'm motivated by pettiness. And so I'm like, oh, no, this is how I lost or this is where I failed. I'm going to make sure that that's now my best thing and I'm going to come back and work even harder. Mm -hmm. I believe that with your profession, you have to be really careful with your highs and your lows because you do win and you think in the beginning, you think, oh, people are going to be talking about this in months. And then all of a sudden, like you said, two days later, it's not really that big of a deal or it's not the topic of conversation anymore. And that could depress you. It, it really can. There's a lot of fighters who deal um, with, you know, depression and anxiety and PTSD from their fight careers. And it's a fine balance. You have to find other outlets. And like mine, my whole big thing is cooking. You know, I'm really into that and spending quality time with the people I care about. But if you don't have that, like you said, it can be really hard. Yes. And self-care is so important. I know one of the things that I talk about quite often is with the stepkids, one of the ways that I helped distract myself was by painting those granny ceramics. I know you know what I'm talking about, those ceramic like Christmas trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. Girl, I can get zoned out doing that. Right. It really helps. Like people don't, and that's self-care right there. Yes, it is. Whether it's, you know, painting, some people can read, but there was so much chaos. I can't read if it's, you know, chaotic around me. Mm-hmm. And because I used to love to read, and I'm like, I've got to find something else. And we actually took the kids to go paint these ceramics at this little shop. And I was like, oh, I like this. And David could tell how much I liked it. So for Christmas that year, I got my own little paints and brushes. And, you know, he went and bought some ceramic things. It was awesome. Yep, exactly. And that's so important. Yep. Well, Sam, thank you so, so much for being a guest on our podcast. I really enjoyed it. You know, it's it's hard that I have people that I can relate to in the fight world. Um, but I don't have a lot of people that I can relate to in like the stepmom world. So it's always nice to speak with somebody who understands. Yes. And you would think there would be more stepmoms in the fight world because what, 1,200 blended families are formed a day or something? Probably more than that now. Right. And it's I think it's just still seen as a taboo topic yes. that people don't talk about it enough. Um, but I'm sure I'm constantly surrounded by it. And I just don't know. Yeah. People will complain about their sex life before they complain about their blended family. Oh, I want that on a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to come up with a shirt line for you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again. But before we stop recording, I'd like for you to tell people where they can find you. Tell the name of um, the gym again. All that good stuff. Where can people watch you kick butt? Absolutely. Um, So all my fights, they're on YouTube. If you look up uh, Samantha Seth MMA or Wolf Queen MMA or the Invicta FC YouTube channel, my Instagram is Wolf Queen MMA. Um, My Twitter handle is Wolf Queen MMA one. I write for a blog, wolfqueenmma.com. I write for Jujitera magazine that's online and and print. And I write for fan-sided MMA. 
And then if they're ever in the area in North Carolina in Fuquay Varina is my gym, Shell Shock, BJJ. And I love having guests come out and train anytime they're nearby. That is awesome. Girl, you are awesome. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. And I just want to tell everybody your last name is Seth, S-E-F-F. Yes. I didn't want them to look up self. (laughs) Yeah, that happens sometimes. I'm sure. Well, thank you again. And you have a great day. And I look forward to seeing you kick more butt, girl. You as well. I plan on it. Thanks. One of the things that Sam and I talk about is the importance of date nights. So you think it's important? Yes, but that doesn't mean we have to go out to eat. (laughs) That's what I was waiting for. (laughs) I try to take you out on dates. You're like, I don't want to go nowhere. We can go grab something and come back and watch Shark Tank together. You know how I feel about takeout? (laughs) Takeout's like, I don't know, man. Something happens to the food. It doesn't taste the same. Okay, fine. It like it like takes the the flavors of the containers that it's in and messes the food all up. I don't know what it is. Just- well, I also talked about yard selling. We're <laughs> <laughs> even going to Home Depot. Y'all, David and I went to Home Depot one day and I had this video of David dancing on a pole. Yeah, you could call it that. It's a pole. <laughs> and David's trying to dance on it. <laughs> I have shared it with a few people, <laughs> and they have laughed hysterically, <laughs> and it has been brought up many times. Has it? Yes. <laughs> if I can find a way without David's help, because I'm sure he won't help me do this, I'll have to post it somewhere and if provide you, the link. If you want to hire me for your next bachelorette party, let me know. Don't do it. <laughs> Not if you want them sexy. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Did you see me work that pole? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's why I'm saying. Mm -hmm. It'll be a night you'll never forget. (laughs) That is true. So see, we have fun at Home Depot. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. Thanks to me. Uh, What about me? You're over there screaming, get off that thing first. Somebody sees you in the surveillance (laughs) cameras. (laughs) If y'all knew how many times she brings up surveillance cameras in the stores. (laughs) Well, that's because you're inappropriate. (laughs) And with that note, we're ending. (laughs) All right, y'all. Don't forget to sign up for the Step Family Summit at nachokids.com slash Step Family Summit. And don't forget to apply for the Sylvia Krakauer Scholarship. Where at? At nachokids.com slash scholarships. Good job. All right, folks. That's our show for today. Join us again next week. Maybe I'll pole dance for you. (laughs) And remember, life is good. (laughs) When you nacho. Listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.